The event, characters, and places in the following story are real. The identities of the individuals are protected in order to safeguard their privacy. Hello and welcome to Heroes of New York, a podcast about everyday heroes who have refused to let the pandemic stop them from serving others. In every episode, I will introduce to you someone who has risen above the odds to uplift people around them. I'm your host, Anu Senan. If this was a movie, then I am an extra in one of the scenes. You wouldn't even notice I was in it, because I was obscured by many other people surrounding me. We were all merely watching the scene unfold in front of us. It's a fine summer evening in July. My husband and I are outside the playground in Stytown, the residential community we live in. We are on our evening walk. A man has collapsed in the park. He's unconscious. He looked healthy and fit, somewhere in his 40s. The silence in the air is deafening. There's a crowd around the park and it's growing in size. People are watching, not quite sure what's going on. I see a woman, tall, slender, in a black tank top doing CPR on him. She seems very professional, like someone who knows what she's doing. Hovering over the scene is another woman, younger, looking helpless. She's not crying, so I'm not quite sure who she is and how she's related to the man on the ground. The man, in the meanwhile, doesn't seem to be breathing. Within a few minutes, the New York police arrive on the scene. The CPR team from the New York Fire Department follow. There's the ambulance from the emergency medical services. They're all trying to revive him. They ripped apart his shirt and started to perform CPR and administer shock. There are nearly 20 people on the ground. The road is covered with New York police cars, fire trucks, ambulances. For a brief moment, I think I see his chest heave. Thank God, I tell myself. My husband, who's next to me, is not so sure. He's in fact tugging at my sleeve. He's uncomfortable with a large number of people on the scene. Let's leave, he says. But more than anything, I was just hoping and praying that this man, who was lying unconscious on the floor, would just get up. You know there are those moments in life when you truly wish the best for a stranger? Someone you'd never meet again? This was one of those. This was a moment where all the people around the playground and in it, the medics, the fire department, the police, the security, were working to revive one man. One could sense the unconscious stream of humanity running through each and every person on the scene. And while I watched this, I wondered, does the man know what's going on with him? Is he perhaps having an out-of-body experience, where he's watching all of us from above, watching this drama unfold around him? Crazy thoughts, right? The next thought that rushed on the heels of the first was, Oh my God, life is so short. You can fall on the ground just like that, in the middle of a game with your friends and family, and it would be game over. If it were me, what would I have wished I had done that day? In a few minutes, the security asked us to clear off, and we walked away. I felt strangely affected by that scene as I left. There would be no way I would be able to find out the names of the people. The man on the ground, the woman who administered CPR, the woman who was hovering over him, the medics, the heroes who tried to help and save his life. I would never be able to find out anything about them. That evening, my mind was filled with the image from the park. The message I took away is, don't take anything for granted. The fact that you're alive. The fact that there are good people out there who want to help you no matter what. I saw people of different backgrounds and communities coming together, nameless and faceless, 
to help one person. The fact that in New York City, the emergency and medical services could reach your doorstep at the drop of a hat. I was and I'm deeply grateful for the services we have in the city. I journaled about this in my book. And while I had no news about the man, I wondered about him every time I crossed that park. A week later on the community Facebook page, there was an anonymous post the admin shared from the wife of the man who had collapsed in the park. This is what she wrote. Last Monday evening, my family was out on the turf playing with our children when my husband collapsed with what looked like seizure symptoms. Eyes rolling back, tongue going to his throat and foaming. It wasn't a seizure but sudden cardiac arrest. His heart stopped for almost an hour. I want to thank the MD mom who ran toward us as soon as I called for help. She identified the need for immediate CPR. I want to thank the nurse mom who ran toward us and started performing CPR. I want to thank the mom who took a 1-year-old baby and the family who took a 4-year-old to the other side of the turf and distracted her as 20 plus strangers were trying to revive her daddy. I want to thank the Stytown staff who opened the turf back door, the NY Fire Department, the New York Fire Department CPR team, the New York Police Department, the Emergency Services team, the Beth Israel Emergency team, the Medical Intensive Care Unit team and the Mount Sinai Cardiac Intensive Care Unit team for giving it all. My husband died 3 times that evening and was in coma on full life support for 2 days after. Then we all witnessed a miracle as his heart regained function and he woke up. He came back home with a defibrillator later that week. The doctors call this an extremely rare medical event, but I call it a miracle. This is not covid related and not a heart attack. It's still a mystery why his heart stopped. We all take for granted the number of medical professionals who live in Stytown and our proximity to world-class medical facilities. If this happened anywhere else, the outcome would have been very different. I struggled if I should share this traumatic and very personal experience with thousands of strangers, but I think it's important for two reasons. We can all use a positive story right now. And if this story can save someone else's life, it's worth attracting unwanted attention. The immediate and professionally administered CPR saved not only his life but his brain function. As soon as I read this, I reached out to the admin and thanks to her contacted the wife. After many weeks, we were finally able to catch up. She agreed to share her story on one condition that all identities would be protected. And last Sunday, We met up at the same park and the same spot where the incident happened. She came along with her two kids, a 4-year-old and a 14-month-old, and they played in the background while we chatted. This is where it all started. So we are currently on the turf in Stytown. 6 weeks ago on July 13th, my husband and I finished work a little earlier than usual. It was a beautiful day. and we decided to go outside and play with the kids we went to the turf were kicking a ball and my husband fainted but it looked like he's getting dizzy he got up sat down got up again and then laid down and i ran up to him and saw that his eyes started to roll back and he's gasping for air and he's foaming a little and i thought it was a seizure he's never had a seizure in his life but i thought that that's what seizure looks like and a woman who was playing with her kids nearby 
ran to my help and uh, introduced herself as a medical doctor. And she initially thought it was a seizure, too. She was asking questions, seizure history. There was none. She felt his pulse, and there was no heartbeat. There was no pulse. And she said he needs a CPR. In the meantime, I think someone ran out to the oval area where there were a lot of people. It was after work, 6.30 p.m., and called for help, and someone responded. She was a cardiac nurse. She ran, and she introduced herself as a cardiac nurse, and the medical doctor who was with me said he needs a CPR, so the nurse started performing CPR, and that went on for a while. In the meantime, someone took my children, a woman was, take, was holding my baby, a family took my four-year-old to the other end of the turf, and they're playing with dinosaur toys, and she remembers, she still speaks about them as the kids with the dinosaurs. This big commotion happened. The CPR, the Stytown team came over, a team of policemen came over, then shortly after the fire department EMS came over, it was a crew of seven, eight, nine people, I don't know exactly. And they started shocking him, and they hooked him to IV and started giving him IVs. And he wasn't coming back. And they kept telling me, ma'am, we're trying everything we can. We're trying. The guys were taking turns with the CPR. It takes a lot of energy to do CPR on, on a man. They kept going and going and going. It, it felt like forever. In his records, it says that he was on the field for 30 minutes, wasn't responding to anything. Then the EMS team came and they hooked him to a CPR machine. Oh, no, we, we probably had 30, 40 people on the field between the different teams. People were coming to me and offering help, but really, what kind of help could you take at this point? So the EMS took my husband and I took my children and had to take them home. And when they took him, he had no pulse. He had no heartbeat, and he wasn't coming back. So I dropped off my children. I called in someone to stay with them, and I went to the emergency room in Beth Israel, and I waited there, and someone came over and said, yeah, we, we got a pulse, but he's in a really bad shape. He's barely there. We lost him two more times, and we're trying everything we can, but he's very, very critical. They kept saying, very, very critical. That night, I stayed in the ER with a friend until 4 a.m. They kind of stabilized him. He wasn't going out anymore, but his heart was in a really bad shape. It was barely working. The next morning, I went home, took a nap, really. And then at 7 a.m., they called me and from the ER and said, we're sending him to the main hospital in Mount Sinai. We can't help him here anymore. He needs a lot of specialized attention. So they put him on an ambulance and sent him up to Harlem. And uh, an hour later, someone called me from that hospital and, and said, um, we're trying everything we can, but he's our sickest patient right now. We're all, we're all working on him. We're trying, but he's really, really sick. And I went up there, and um, there were a lot of doctors in the room. They were all trying to help this young guy with small children, and they, they wanted to save him, but his heart was, at this point, was failing at 15% function, which I, I guess is, is very common after 
such a massive cardiac event and all the shocks, the heart just contracts and needs time to come back, but sometimes it's too late. So they took uh, my consent to perform a procedure and uh, install basically a temporary heart. It was very risky. He had about 30% chance of coming home with that procedure. And uh, they took the chance. It took a while. But by 11 p.m. that night, he had the machine on and it went fine, the actual procedure. And the team, there, there's so many people working on him. When he came out of the operating room, there are 12 doctors with him. They were trying everything. Their entire focus was on getting him back. And the next day, I went back to the hospital, and it still looked pretty bad. His heart was not working. This machine was doing all the work for him. He was on ventilator. And still, same situation. They're talking about a heart transplant as a potential option, but they didn't even know if he was there mentally, if he would wake up, because he was out for so long, and people don't survive this kind of event. And they, they, when they come back, they're not the same people. So they started waking him up that day, and he was responding really well. He was responding to commands. He answered questions after they took off the ventilator. So it was looking good, promising. And uh, that was the Wednesday. Then on Thursday, I came back to the hospital, and they all looked at me, and they were, like took me to the, to the room, and they said, we can't believe it. Like his heart is completely back, hundred percent, and he's awake and joking with us. <laughs> they couldn't believe. I couldn't believe it. No, nobody. It was it was incredible because the, the previous day they were talking about a heart transplant. If we're lucky to get a match in the next year, and then from then on, he was improving every day. Gradually, they took off all the support meds, the different pumps, the fake heart machine. They took all that one by one. He was in the ICU for two weeks. They put a defibrillator on him and sent him home where he's recovering. And the the, the rehab after such an event is a month-long process. It takes a while. But he'll make full recovery. And it's it's incredible. I can't believe that First of all, that it happened, it was so sudden and unexpected. But then we were reading about the odds of surviving something like this. And it's, they're incredibly slim. Surviving a cardiac arrest outside of a hospital is an extremely rare event. And coming back fully, it's, it's almost impossible. Um, not to mention if you're out for almost an hour. It's overall very traumatic but positive experience and like the highlight is how many people worked on this miracle it wasn't just something that happened it was hundreds of people just gave it all some of his doctors didn't sleep for a week to be with the case and not change doctors every morning so he was monitored by these doctors day and night one of his doctors didn't see his family for Pretty much that first week, the doctor who performed the procedure, it was incredible. And, and as a matter of fact, if this happened anywhere else, aside from where it happened, he wouldn't have made it. To be next to a hospital, next to work care facilities, next to so many medical professionals, 
there were two medical professionals within one minute of distance to us when it happened, which is incredible. What was the impact of this on you? I'm still living in this movie, so I'm not there yet to process what happened. I'm still running on adrenaline. I'm still just trying to get through this. It's not over for us, but my friend says that this was the luckiest unlucky event, what happened to us. Well, I just feel, I feel incredibly fortunate that we're back as a family. Like every single day is a gift. We, I wake up and he's there. And we have another day together. As we went our separate ways, I reflected back on our conversation. The story doesn't end here. And it's not a movie. It's life. There are no retakes. And she's right. Life is a gift. And we must learn to enjoy every moment as it comes. The story is dedicated to all first responders, healthcare workers, security personnel, and the numerous people who were on the field that day to help a fellow human being, someone they will never meet again. This story is an ode to humanity and the power of the human spirit to rise to any occasion to help a fellow human being, regardless of their background. Thanks for joining us this week on Heroes of New York. Make sure to visit our website, anusenan.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes so that you never miss an episode. If you love the show, please leave us a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. If you like the show, you might want to check out our other episodes. This is our last show for the season and please watch out for the next season and a new episode in two weeks from now. Bye.